So if I was to ask you about your prayer life, how would you describe it? Like most people's? Uh, average? Mediocre? Pedestrian? How would you describe your prayer life? Today we uh, come to prayer in our uh, study of the armor of God. It's the last item in the armor of God. Our study has been Ephesians 6, 10 through 22. Prayer, his final weapon in this arsenal of equipment. Does that seem odd to you? Prayer, a a, a weapon in the armor of God. Prayer, weaponized. Is that how you think of prayer? I'll I'll bet not. It's not how I generally see prayer. The final statement in the armor of God begins with with two words. It's, It's simple, it's short, it's concise. It says, and pray. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. All of the other uh, pieces of equipment in the armor of God come with some visual illustration. The the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The the breastplate of righteousness. the, the, The belt of truth buckled around your waist. But not prayer. Why not? Prayer is our line of communication, our means of uh, interaction with God. Communication is absolutely essential on the battlefield. It's it's one of the, the, the keys of victory. Embroiled in battle, uh, troops need to be coordinated with all the the, the, the full range of, of uh, battlefield activities and equipment. Disrupt that communication and everything falls apart. But no visuals, no object lesson with prayer. Only the words and pray. Why not? Well, prayer is so unique it doesn't illustrate well. Think about it. How would you illustrate uh, prayer in the terminology of a, 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 a of a soldier a warrior a, a two-way radio walkie-talkie 
satellite communication system? Yes, from our day, we can come up with something, but uh, Paul's day wouldn't have been so easy, would it? What would you have used in Paul's day to illustrate prayer? Paul can't come up with anything. So he he puts illustration aside and he he matter-of-factly says, and pray. Uh, This week, I, I guess it was last week, I came across a quote. It's from a book entitled, Praying for Your Elephant. Isn't that a great title? You can't, probably can't read the small print. It says, boldly approaching Jesus with radical and audacious prayer. Praying for your elephant. The quote says, the best the devil can hope for is that you don't pray. And much of his strategy is to discourage you from praying at all. As a prayer never prayed has zero chance of being answered. Zero chance of being answered. God desires that we pray the devil hopes we never do. And why? Because unsaid prayers have zero chance of being answered. The the enemy despises prayer. God desires it. What do you think we ought to do with our lives? Paul says, and pray. Now look at the specifics Paul adds to uh, prayer or attaches to prayer. The, the, the other pieces of equipment he, he illustrates, uh, perhaps a few words of explanation, but uh, prayer he expands on. He can't illustrate it, so he explains it. And he explains it in a personal way. First, he says prayer is to be in the Spirit. Now, there's a contrast here, and don't miss it, because it's important. And pray in the Spirit. In the Spirit is contrasted with those who pray in the flesh. Think that through, the the, the contrast. What it means, how it applies to, to, to you and me. You cannot live in the flesh and experience the power of prayer. Those who choose the way of the flesh never experience the wonders of a a fruitful prayer life. Sometime back, there was a a TV show on about uh, bait cars. You know, those cars that are set up by police uh, specifically to be stolen, and they have them all rigged up with remote control, how they can shut them off and lock the doors and stuff, and So they set up this car, this bait car. And these kids come along, these uh, punks. And they see this car and they look it all over and they're looking in the windows and, whoa, there's the keys. Boy, they hop in and they're starting down the road and they're all giddy and they're going to have a great time. And and then uh, the cops shut off the motor and lock the doors. At this, the guy who's driving the car, the main guy, he begins to pray. He begins to cry, and he begins to pray, God, help me. I don't want to get caught. I I don't want to go to jail. God, please help me. Out stealing a car. 
but expecting God to take care of him. Really? Praying, yes. Praying in the Spirit, no. The sad truth to this bait car scenario is that it plays out closer to home than most of us care to admit. Believers who think they can live their lives their way and expect God to jump in at the flip of a switch or the the, the flip of a prayer. The fact is you can't live a carnal life and still expect God to bail you out when things go haywire. If you live your life in opposition to God's truth, guess what? Consequences await. Chances are God is not going to bail you out. Sure, he can. I don't know what happened with this kid in the bait car. I always hoped that this was something that turned his life around. That he realized that's what was waiting him if he continued down that path. He can bail you out, but chances are he won't. If you look around and God's not there, who moved? Not a good thought? If you look around and God's not there, who moved? Guess what? It wasn't God. He's still where he's always been. Doing what he always does. He is holy and righteous. A a just God. A God of grace who desires to pour out his grace and his blessing into your and my life. But it's all done to repentant hearts. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Those who are humbly repentant. I hope you're thinking this whole thing through in relationship to your life. I hope you're asking yourself, where am I living my life? And am I in a place, am I living life in a way that God can bless me? Frederick, the great king of Prussia, won a strategic battle with uh, comparative ease and little loss of men. When asked for an explanation, he said, well, (laughs) he said the enemies had uh, seven cooks and one spy. He said, I had seven spies and one cook. Are you lacking power as a believer? Victorious power, life-changing power? Could it be because you are emphasizing the wrong things? Sadly, carnal people always emphasize the wrong things in their lives. Spiritual people approach the Lord humbly, broken, Remembering that they deserve nothing, and because of that, God is able to bless them. And pray in the Spirit. How many of your prayers are Spirit-led? 
what the Holy Spirit wants of you? What you found uh, applicable in the Word of God? And allowed God to bring that to bear on your life? How He wants to play into your life. And how He wants you to play into other people's lives. By the way, prayer and God's Word go hand in hand. Without the one, the other really doesn't work rightly. Boy Scout troop was out uh, in the woods uh, hiking, and they came upon this stretch of uh, abandoned railroad tracks. And as boys do, they were all going to walk that those railroad tracks. It was a fairly long piece of track, and Every one of those boys fell off before they could get to the end. And you know how boys are. There's usually a challenge, you know, and things. And th- th- These two boys got their heads together. And they said, we can walk that full length of track together. Of course, the gauntlet was thrown down, and they were dared, and so they got on those railroad tracks. One boy on one rail and another on the other rail, and they joined arms. And they walked that whole railroad tracks, the the full length of it. Prayer and the Word of God work together, hand in hand. Each bringing about the same thing. The Lord's will in our lives. Prayer and God's Word, the the sword of the Spirit, they, they go Hand in hand. The second specific Paul notes for the uh, soldiers of the cross is that prayer is to be a continual effort. The NIV says on all occasions, the ESV says praying all the time. Get the point? Prayer is to be comprehensive. It is to be continual, without pause, and covering all things at all times. I pray a lot. But guess what? When I read this, I think, oh, man, you're coming up short here, pal. But then I have excuses. I'll bet you do too, don't you? We have turned excuse-making into an art form, you and me. Excuses, those things we hide behind when we are not doing what we know we're supposed to be doing. Reasons, or we think they're reasons, why we can get out from under what we ought to be doing. Richard Rooney is a, or was a, uh, the chief chaplain of services at the VA Medical Center in Marion, Illinois. Here's some of the excuses he's heard throughout the years. It's snowing outside. I never attend church in bad weather. Now, mind you, church was in the same building the guy was in. Nobody had to go outside. Nobody had to get dressed. All he had to do was show up. But one person said quite seriously, I can imagine this this, uh, chaplain and how he had to refrain from laughing sometimes. This person said quite seriously, I'm usually always sick on Sunday mornings. 
the nurse doesn't want me out of bed, one patient told him. Uh, but then as the chaplain got ready to leave, the, the fellow said, uh, are you going by the smoking room? Could you wheel me down? His favorite, though, I think was this one, at least at the time. Uh, one patient said, uh, when I sing, I get nauseated. We've turned excuse-making into an art form. What's your excuse for not praying? It's something that's to be characteristic in our lives. It's to be in the Spirit. It's to be continual. All believers are to make prayer our business. In so doing, prayer warriors are equipped for the battle. We're armed and we're, we're ready. We're, we're, we're capable of dealing with life head on. And pray, Paul says. Not only does Paul give the uh, hows of prayer, but he also gives the, 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 the who's and why's of prayer. Prayer is personal, but it's also interpersonal. It, requir- it requires interaction between you and the Lord, but it doesn't stop there. It requires interaction between you and the people of God. As I uh, read through this, uh, notice the words for and that. Verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for, I said to look for the words for and that, for the saints. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. You and I are ambassadors in chains. Well, maybe we don't have to change, but we're to be ambassadors, aren't we? Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And pray for all the saints. And pray in the Spirit continually for all the saints. Prayer is personal and it is interpersonal by nature. As a church, we are to work together. Arm in arm or, or shoulder in shoulder, if you follow the ranks of a, uh, of a soldier, uh, a, a, uh, a cohort uh, of soldiers. And if our brothers and sisters are to face the battle like we are, guess what? They need our prayers. They need our prayers. Whoever it is that you stand shoulder to shoulder with in the ranks, they need your prayer. And guess what? You want them to have your prayer. Because they're the ones who are right there protecting you from whatever's on the outside. We want them at their best when we are at the heat of battle. There's different kinds of prayers. It mentioned those in verse 18, all kinds of prayers and requests. There's, there's prayers of repentance. 
There's prayers of thanksgiving. There's prayers of worship. There's prayers of intercession. Prayers of uh, personal petition. All kinds of prayers. But you know what? The important thing is not the kinds. It's that prayer is interpersonal. And each kind of prayer either has to do with your relationship with your Lord or your relationship with your fellow soldiers, the church. And notice how autobiographical this is for Paul. Paul includes himself in this need of prayer. Can can you imagine that? Paul, the man who evangelized most of the then-known world in need of prayer? Courageous Paul, uh, 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 aggressive Paul, don't hold me back, Paul. Get out of my way, Paul. Paul, the theological pit bull. Isn't that our image of Paul? But you know what? If Paul were to walk in here today, I, I'm not sure he would stand out like we think he would. I think he would be quite ordinary. Look at his statements to the church of Corinth, the First uh, Corinthians chapter 2, where he autobiographically writes again, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in what? Weakness and fear. Is that how you think of Paul? With what? Much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest in, on man's wisdom, but on the power of God. That's one of my favorite sets of verses. It lays out Paul's heart. He's, he's transparent. If Paul were to walk in here today, I think he would look like you and me. He'd be ordinary, a simple man who served the Lord, who was in need of prayer. We need each other. This is why Paul wrote this. This is why God inspired him to write this about the armor of God. We need each other. We are interpersonally dependent on each other. Soldiers, fellow soldiers in in the ranks. And that's where we get our strength. It's together that we find victory. Victory for our own lives and victory for other people's lives. Victory in this this community of of Lafayette and Louisville and, and Erie. Victory in Boulder County. This is where we find it. Roy M. Pearson wrote, Prayer is not a lazy substitute for work. It is not a shortcut to skill or knowledge. And sometimes God delays the answer to our prayers in final form 
until we have time to build up strength, accumulate knowledge, or fashion the character that would make it possible for him to say yes to what we ask. Pray. Pray that we would all be fearless in the battle arena, equipped as we should be equipped. I hear that word, fearless. And I ask myself, how many times have I set silent when I should have spoken up? It's easy to do, isn't it? Sit silent, not say anything. Just let it go on by and hope you don't have to be on the hot seat. Don't you find it reassuring that the Apostle Paul faced these same struggles? He had that same lump in his throat, the same shortness of breath, the same queasiness of his stomach, and the same, not sure what I ought to say, confusion in the head. But he above all wanted to be a spiritual man. Not a carnal man. You see, that's what we're still talking about here. What's spiritual and what's carnal? What's in the spirit and what's in the flesh? He desired to serve the Lord and not play into the enemy's hands. He desired to fight the battle that was before him, whatever it was. I have mentioned before in this study that the I think the key thought in this this whole study is to stand firm. Stand firm with fearlessness. Stand firm with valor. Stand firm fully equipped for the battle at hand. In his uh, classic work, Paradise Lost, John Milton depicts the fall of Satan from heaven. He he describes it as a, a great battle lasting three days. The first two days were waged by uh, Lucifer and his demonic hordes and uh, the, Mike, uh, the archangel Michael leading the, the angelic hordes. On the third day, the Father sends the Son in glorious battle to do single-handed combat with that demonic host. L- listen to this excerpt as Jesus enters the battle. Stand still in bright array, ye saints. Here stand, ye angels armed, this day from battle rest. Therefore to me their doom he hath assigned, that they may have their wish to try with me in battle which proves the stronger. So spake the Son. And into terror changed his countenance, too severe to be beheld. And full of wrath bent on his enemies, they astonished all resistance lost, all courage down their idle weapons dropped. And from the wanted vigor left them drained, 
exhausted, spiritless, afflicted, fallen. Yet half his strength he put not forth. Why do we pray? Why do we come before the Lord? Because he alone has the power to deal with the the, the rulers, the authorities, the, the powers of darkness and the evil forces in heavenly realms. He alone enables us to do what we've been called to do, stand our ground, to stand firm. Stand firm, them, girded with the belt of truth. Stand firm, secure in the the breastplate of righteousness. Stand firm with your feet fitted with the, the boots of the gospel. Stand firm. Take hold of the shield of faith to ward off the attack of the enemy. Stand firm, head held high in the helmet of salvation. Stand firm, brandishing the the, the sword, the, the word of God with skill and tactical precision. Stand firm in prayer, confident that he is in the battle with you. The armor of God equips us to confront life with style and with confidence. Prayer specifically is our communique, our interaction with the commander. It enables us to engage the enemy head on in the Lord's victorious power. This is the last sermon in this series. Let me ask you, have you personalized what Paul, under the inspired hand of God, has written here? Have you seen yourself in the armor of God? Realize how crucial the armor is for you as a believer. And have you done so personally? I'm going to ask a couple of the men to step up and hand out a a, a sheet. It's something you can fill out. There's blanks on it. Something you can fill out and personalize the armor of God. How it personally relates to you. What it personally says to you. How it personally applies to you. Mine reads like this. Finally, Craig Waters. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, Craig, is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Craig, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, Remember we talked about this at the beginning? It says when, it's not if. It's when. When the day of evil comes, Craig, you'll be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, Mr. Waters, with the belt of 
truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, Craig, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and Craig, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Craig Waters, pray also for me now. Paul's gone to be with the Lord. We don't really need to pray for him, but we can pray for Matt, can't we? We can pray for Paul, can't we? For Jill. For Ed. For Ron. Look around the room and just go down the room. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. By the way, filling this out isn't some academic exercise. It's a way in which each of us can personalize what Paul is talking about here. God gave this to us so that we would personalize it. So I not only encourage you to fill it out, but I encourage you to put it somewhere where every day you run into it. Put it on your mirror in the bathroom or your screen on your computer. or Duct tape it to your phone. but that you can pick it up every day for the next few weeks or maybe even the next few months and read through it with your name plugged in there all the way down until it does become personal. The armor of God equips us for the battle at hand. And yes, it is personal. We might try to depersonalize it, but uh, we can't, not really. The only thing left is for us to engage the enemy head on in the Lord's power. 